Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. I am not sure, but it seems like we're having some sort of sync problems today, but I'm not sure. Let me know if I am in sync, if I'm not in sync, or what's going on here. I hope it catches up. I hope it behaves itself. But every so often, I think these browsers have issues. I think it has to do with browsers and the way they work. And I just hope that it's all going to correct itself in the long run. Biden freezes. Okay, let me go ahead and salute my peeps. Uh, how is everybody doing today? Welcome aboard, Michael Rutnin. Welcome to you. Welcome aboard as well. We've got Yvette Avery Herod, second person. No, Paul Fleming was the second person in the house, followed by Yvette Avery. Okay, okay, let's see what else we got. We have uh, E2247. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Let's see, not only are you a touch out of sync, your mic is not, your mic is too low. Ah, let me see if I can fix the mic. I can probably do something about the mic rather quickly by kind of doing something like this. Tell me if that's better with the mic. Is that any better with the mic? I hope that will be better with the mic. If not, I'll have to try to increase the gain on the mic. If I can find the gain on the mic, where is the gain on the mic? Let's see. Let's go to the gain. Is that any better? Is that any better? You guys tell me. All right. Okay. Let's get busy. Egberto is always in sync. Ah, I love you, E2247. Let's get busy. Okay. Here we go. 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 Uh, who else to salute? Rose William is in the house. Eric Hayes is in the house. Vince Lamb is in the house. Okay. Who else have we got? Alistair Waters in the house. Robert P. Davenport in the house. If I miss you, tell me. Yvette Avery Howard in the house. Okay. I think we've got Peggy Lopez. Está en la casa. She is in the house. Peggy Lopez, that is. Okay. Let's go ahead and get busy. Anybody else want to throw your words in there before I go start reading Michael Rodney's stuff? You know, I like to salute everybody that comes on real early and quickly. That's the name of the game. We try to take care of business. How do you say that? We try to take care of business, business, business. Okay, let's get busy. All right, here we go. 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 Jury finds first U.S. Capitol right. I'm not going to read that one because I'm covering that one. Michael Rodney says, who says COVID boosters needed? Reversing previous call. An expert group convened by the World Health Organization said it strongly supports urgent and broad access to coronavirus uh, vaccines, including booster doses. Time to go talk to my doctor again. See if I need a booster. Go get the darn booster. You know, my daughter, May Wood, welcome aboard. Tom C., welcome aboard. My daughter went ahead and got her booster because of some of the, the, the um, steroids that she's taken makes her immunocompromised. So she took Four vaccines. Yes, four vaccines. Anyhow, she took her fourth one. I still am on my third. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Uh, looking at Google's regional COVID tracker, the COVID cases in my area are way down right now with less than 500 new cases per day compared to nearly 50,000 new cases per day during the Omicron spike. I didn't know it was that high. So I'm not sure it's necessary. My doctor will let me know. Well, you know, here's the thing that, that I always think. If, if it's not going to do me harm... I'm going to take it for one reason only. I could be that unlucky one that passes that one in five, that 500 in 7 million people that get the damn thing. So I figure, you know what? What the heck? It's not going to hurt me. I'm going to take it. It's not going to hurt me. I'm going to take it. That's all. That's, that's, that's how I look at it, folks. That's how I look at it. 
Anyhow, next one. Looking at, let's see, uh, Charles Booker. Uh, who's Booker? Charles Booker at Booker KY tweeted, Mitch McConnell never needed free lunch to get a hot meal at school. He never needed food stamps to survive. Nearly half of Kentucky's children live in households below 200% of the federal poverty line. I was one of them. He doesn't see us. Isn't Charles Booker the guy that's running for Senate against uh, running for Senate? I think that's who it is, a Democrat that's running for Senate, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Can't fool us. 250 plus groups reject Biden's rebrand of Trump's Medicare privatization ploy. Oh, I didn't read that one. That is something I've got to read. Unless the Biden administration pulls the plug now, this program will put for profit insurers and Wall Street between seniors and their doctors, said Alex Lawson, executive director. I'm going to call up Alex of uh, Social Security Works. Tweaks aren't good enough. President Biden and Secretary Bacera must end this dangerous experiment. I, I covered that story. And in fact, I brought people on from the National Healthcare Association to talk about that. But I better bring uh, Lawson back in. Sadly, I expected as much from Biden eventually that we, the people, would have to fight him on social safety net issues sooner or later. And we will as to put corporate profits above the needs of the people when the two were in conflict. You know what? I want to read you guys something that I sent to. Um, well, I'm not going to read it. I'm going to just tell you. First of all, the private sector does not belong in the healthcare delivery service because the, if, if you have a, a for-profit motive in healthcare delivery, then what do you need to do to make profits? Deliver healthcare. And what do you need to deliver healthcare? People sick. And what do you need to make sure people sick don't get them healed? It's simple. There, there are reasons behind the madness. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, E2247 says, Bosch Show. Hello, relatives. Today's visit will be the greatest ever visit again. I love you, 2247. He has 20 or 30 different ways of saying that, that statement. Thank you, brother. Davenport says, hello to all progressives. Alistair Williams says, hi, all greetings from Conroe, Texas. She's right about 10, 15, 20 miles from where I am in Kingwood, Texas. Robert Davenport said, greetings from Los Angeles to you. And Alistair Waters says, get the likes and the thumbs up before Egberto gets on. Yes, yes, go ahead and give those thumbs up on YouTube and those likes on Facebook. And whatever you do on Twitter, uh, please go ahead and follow me at Egberto Willis, at Egberto Willis, please follow me. Okay, let's go ahead and say Brighton Freezes. Vince Lamb says, not only are you t a touch out of sync, your mic is set too low and I fixed that and I think you said it was okay. Why? Let me make sure and go to the bottom. Everything else is okay. All right. Eric Hayes says, why is Biden taking to other dictators for oil and energy when we have it just change policy decisions, up, open up and drill, etc.? This is just plain wrong and not smart. Even now, after making the statement today, rejecting Russia oil, still taking renewable energy only uh, in the U.S., why is he just plainly making the painful on America? That is the message you are getting from the right wing. And it is an ignorant message, brother Eric. I want you to listen to what cognitive dissonance looks like. I want you to listen to what or I see what cognitive dissonance looks like. What I'm going to play you now is that exchange between Jen Psaki and Peter Ducey. Again, cognitive dissonance. And you are working yourself 
following the people who inform you into a world of cognitive dissonance. Listen to this exchange and then we'll go about it a bit further. Check this out. Go ahead. Thank you, Jen. It sounds like you guys are blaming Putin for the increase in gas prices recently, but weren't gas prices going up anyway because of post-pandemic supply chain issues? Well, I, I think there's no question that, as we have seen, and outside analysts have conveyed this as well, the increase in the anticipated continued increase, which is, I think, what some of your colleagues were asking about, that that is a, a direct result of uh, the invasion of Ukraine. And also, there was an anticipation of that uh, that was that uh, was uh, was factored in as gas prices have gone up. So if you say that you're going to do everything that you can to reduce the impact that high gas prices have on Americans. Uh, we're asking other countries to think about maybe pumping more oil. Why not just do it here? Well, to be very clear, federal policies are not Im uh, limiting the supplies of oil and gas. To the con let me finish. To the con let me finish. An executive order his Peter, first week I'm that halted new oil and let, gas. Let me let me give you let me give you the facts here, and I know that can be inconvenient, but I think they're important in this moment. To the contrary, we have uh, the we have been clear that in the short term, supply must keep up with the demand. We're we are and here and around the world will we make the shift to a secure, clear, clean energy future. We are one of the largest producers with a strong domestic oil and gas industry. We have actually produced more oil. It is at record numbers, and we will continue to produce more oil. There are 9,000 approved drilling permits that are not being used. So the suggestion that we are not allowing companies to drill is inaccurate. The suggestion that that is what is hindering or preventing gas prices to come down is inaccurate. Would President Biden rescind his executive order that halts new oil and natural gas leases on public lands? Well, 90% of them happen on private lands, as I'm sure you know, and there are 9,000 unused approved drilling permits. So I would suggest you ask the oil companies why they're not using those if there's a desire to drill more. Would President Biden ever undo his executive order that stopped the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline? Are you suggesting that would solve the gas prices issue? Well, do you think that that would maybe affect prices faster than getting the whole country off of fossil fuels? I actually don't think it would. Uh, the Keystone uh, was not an oil field. It's a pipeline. Yeah. Also, the oil is continuing to flow in just through other means. So it actually would have nothing to do with the current supply imbalance. So gas prices are approaching an all-time high per gallon. How high would they have to get before President Biden would say, I'm going to set aside my ambitious climate goal and just increase domestic oil production, get the producers to drill more here, and we can address the fossil fuel future later. Well, again, Peter, the U.S. produced more oil this past year than in President Trump's first year. Next year, according to the Department of Energy, we will produce more oil than ever, than ever before. Okay, folks, cognitive dissonance is a dangerous thing. Uh, implied... Or, uh, or, or what I call willful ignorance is also a thing. Here's a, these are the things that we need to explain, and these are the things we need to explain in detail. I'm going to take the quick ones first, okay? One, numero uno, there are 9,000 leases already on private lands and on public lands 
that the oil companies have, they can choose to drill there or not. But they just want you to open up and give them even more rights to drill everywhere else. Why is that wrong? What they're trying to do is make sure that they have an expanded field to drill from so that if sometime in the future we change policy, they already have the rights to, to drill wherever they want. No, if you run out of areas to drill of those 9,000 access that you have, then you, we can start talking about drilling. Secondly, most drilling occurs on private land, not public land. So it is a fallacy to believe that Somehow, brother Biden has so much control over the oil market the, where oil is drilled for when it is on public land, uh, pro- uh, private lands where most of the drilling occur. Now, when they want to talk about open up the pipeline, she smartly says the pipeline is just that a pipeline. The oil has other methods of getting to market other than using this Excel pipeline. What are the reasons why we should not build a pipeline? Numero uno, first of all, from past experience, we can see that pipelines, these guys get a lot of leaking occurring and they don't clean it up. They, they, they throw it right back onto the taxpayer to clean up. So these pipeline building yet another pipeline that crosses land whose people didn't want the pipeline in the first place. That's numero uno. Fairness, number one. Number two, again, we talk about the leaks, but here's number three. The investment in that pipeline, the amount of money in that pipeline, People are going to want you to go ahead and amortize or rather depreciate it over decades. And they're going to say, well, we have to keep using it to flow oil to recover our costs. And if you stop us from using it, we'll sue you. Put the law in. You can't use, you can't have the pipeline in the first place. And that way, whenever we make that change to all our energy methodologies, meaning green energy, water, air, uh, hydro, everything else, we don't have a company saying, oh, we got to mitigate that pipeline. So th- that is one issue. The second issue is, oh, you're going around the world asking them to produce more. Uh, yeah, we're taking Russia off the market and we're saying other people produce as well. Let me, let me tell you one of the other things, right? We are producing more oil than anybody else and we can produce more as well. But why centralize on all our oil at this time? When there, there can, there is immediate access to oil in Iran, immediate access to oil in Venezuela, and you don't only solve a Venezuela problem by getting them to pump oil, you solve a poverty, humane, humanity-based problem. I know many of the people on the right who always want to drill for oil cares nothing about humanity in the aggregate because they don't care if people live or die. We do. You know, but again, bottom line is, Pipeline, no. There are other methods of getting the oil out. Uh, somehow forget about, <laughs> you know, the last question I think is the most asinine of them all. What, what price does America have to pay for gas before you drop your environmental crap and just allow drilling to go unfettered and use gas, oil, petroleum unfettered? What amount of money does it have to cost the American people before you do that? And there's one intelligent answer. That is almost like saying, um, when, when are you going to stop making guns illegal for killers and give the killers the gun to kill us? Because we can make a buck from selling the gun to the killer. I mean, 
the the cogn- it's not only cognizant dissonance, it is also a mere it's willful ignorance, it's cognitive dissonance, and it's mere stupidity. You are saying forget about the environment, something that's gonna kill us all in the long run, because we are finally getting the right price. You, you want me to tell you something? I want gasoline to be $10 a gallon. Guess what happens then? The electric car market zooms up. And not only does the electrical car market zoom up, but also, you know, we don't get as much killer benzene. We don't get as much killer. All these things that go into the lungs that not the oil company pays for, not the person driving their car with the gas mobile pays through, but all of us through our insurance policies, through our health care, have to pay for the scourge created by whom? The oil companies. You know, the price of gas isn't $4 a gallon. You wanted it to be $185. You wanted it to $2. All that was was a ripoff for the insurance company because you get it to $1.85 and a lot of people buy a whole lot more gas. You get it to $4. You get a lot of people buying less gas. But guess what? You also get less sick people. And I'm not talking about climate. I'm not even talking climate change. I am actually talking lung cancer. I'm talking about emphysema. I'm talking about all the things that we have by having an increased amount of pollution. You remember during the pandemic what happened? When we all stopped driving. Remember what Paris looked like. Remember what Beijing looked like. You could see the blue skies. You could breathe. You no longer got asthma. So please, people, get rid of your cognizant dissonance. Get rid of your ideology and start thinking about humanity. It is inhumane to want to kill. It is inhumane. And when you say if the price of gas gets too high, let's just kill everybody by increasing these things. That's what you're saying. I mean, I am saying it in a graphic form. But that's what it really is. And, you know, it, it, sometimes, you know uh, at one of the organizations that I'm at, sometimes they don't like the way I say things, right? Because, uh, you know, we like to have, we, we, we are very civil. But, you know, sometimes uh, civil can make something that is, that is chronically evil look less than. You know, we make it seems like, oh, whether to have... Uh, for profit delivery of healthcare versus uh, versus uh, versus public social healthcare is somehow debatable. It is somehow that it's either this or that. And even if the private sector costs more for healthcare because we have choices, that's the price we pay for choices, and that's just just what we want. We can have that. But Americans don't understand that this is a policy of killing people, right? So if you just put it that way as a choice, you can decide if you want health care by the private sector or health care by, uh, by the social, by the government. You know, it's a choice. It's not a choice. You're choosing between life or death. You're choosing between the life of many of your fellow American citizens and death. That's what you're doing. It's not a choice. Or yes, actually, forgive me. It is a choice of life or death. And yes, Vince Lamb says, Egberto sounds familiar. You know what I'm talking about, Vince, because you're my fellow board member brother. So yes, 
Yes, it makes a difference. Okay, so please, please open your minds. Open your minds. Okay, let's continue with what my peeps are saying online and then I'll move on from there. Let's see what we got. Uh, let's see. Eric, uh, I read you already. Insurrectionists guilty on all counts. Good day for justice. Yeah, and a lot of the other 500 that's left to be tried who thought they were going to somehow, ah, let's see if this guy going to beat it. Oh, oh, we better make a deal because those terrorists are going to jail. All those terrorists, the ones that smeared feces in the Congress, the ones that peed on the floor, the ones that broke into the halls of the Senate and the House, they are going to jail. And their master, Master Trump, it's not going to do a damn thing to get them out. That's life. All right. Peggy Lopez says, hi, all living that four letter word life better than the mic. Tom C. says, in the house without a mask. There you go, Tom. Eric Hayes says, American energy equal made in America. Jobs, this isn't difficult to understand, and it's cleaner than other countries' cheaper quality products. Cognizant, cognitive dissonant. Brother, cognitive dissonant. I gave the entire explanation. I gave the externalities of burning gas. All these things... And that you revert right back to the old right-wing, incoherent, in, on intellectual trap tells me too much. All right, let's see what else we got. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Let's see. Michael Runner says, Egberto, yes, Charles Booker is running against Mitch McConnell. Yeah, I, I, I want to get an interview with him. Um, I don't know if they're going to let him talk to me because I think the Democracy for America has him now. And the, the other Democrat, I don't remember the other Democratic group. All right, Daniel Lado says, I wonder how Egberto knows the vaccine will not hurt him. It's not like it has been through extensive long-term studies. Let me guess. He believes government when they say it is harmless. It's not government saying it's harmless. It's a private sector saying it is harmless. For your information, the government has no clue as to the long-term effects of this vaccine. We don't have the long-term effects of many things at all. There are a lot of things that conservatives want to do. We don't know the long-term effect. We don't know the long-term effect of taking away a woman's right to choose. What is that going to mean financially down the road for her? Actually, we do know that. It hurts them. But there are a lot of things we don't know the long-term effects for. You know, uh, we know that in the, in the near short term, the vaccines work. And based on the technology, we don't assume it will have long-term effects. There's a possibility it does. But there's a possibility anything new that you try, including any new food that you eat, will have some effect on you. So, I mean, that is where you take calculated risks. Now, uh, let me, let's, uh, let's talk about calculated risk. I am not going to take a calculated risk that, uh, and stay in the same room with an unvaccinated Daniel Ledo. I'll stay the hell away from an unvaccinated Daniel Ledo because I am not willing to take that risk of, at all. So those are the kinds of things that I mean, Ledo. You have calculated risks based on the technology, based on what you know about biology. You know that it's a, slow, a very low chance that you have any lasting effects from putting some sort of an mRNA vaccine in your body. But you know what? You could go prick your feet on a nail in, in the, when you walk bare feet outside. 
And that puts some biological item in your body that has some sort of effect. So at some point, we have to stop being silly. Okay, uh, Vince Lamb says, my wife worked in insurance and she thinks the same thing about health insurance. It doesn't belong in the private sector. It does not. Melanie Keelan, you're here. How are you doing, Melanie? Welcome aboard. Paul Fleming says, first things first, the president doesn't control its prices. Second, to uh, your oil lovers, renewable energy is way cheaper. That is correct. It's actually free except for what it costs to build out. And third, things most of the oil is controlled by tyrants. True. Greed is the only reason gas prices are high. Russia online gives us 1% of oil. Thank you for your very smart commentary, Paul Fleming. It's clear that you don't only read, but you understand what you read. Michael Rudnan says, Daniel Adol's severe side effects from vaccinations are a one in a 200,000 risk. Common side effects from vaccinations are soreness and injection. You know, but I mean, again, when folks want to find an excuse for doing something silly, they do, uh, Mr. Rudnan. All right, let's see what else we got here. Vince Lamb says, no, uh, let's see. The Republicans chair Russian oil ban and jeer Biden for rising prices. <laughs> Democrats uh, say that they are prepared for political attacks ahead of the uh, fall election as some call for clean energy investments. You know, I think, I, you know, and, and that's a deal. I think we should make all those deals. And, uh, and not only, I think Farid Zakaria said, let us allow more oil out of the United States and export it. I think right now we have a law against exporting certain parts of oil that created in the United States. And the reason why he said is because we have cleaner burning oil, we have cleaner burning gas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, anyway, listen to what, what, uh, what he had to say. It makes a lot of sense. And if we tie it to the short term and, and force it to go along with a green energy bill, I am for it. Daniel Ledo says, I'm ecstatic over Biden's decision today on Russian oil. He just put a knife in the back of every Democrat in the midterm. $6 gas means November will be a leftist bloodbath. Yeah, if most Americans are stupid, if most Americans are stupid, you're right. If most Americans are stupid enough to believe that Biden and the Democrats are responsible for $6 a gallon gas and not the corporations who all that extra money is profit to the shareholders, then that's the truth. But you know what Come, What organizations like me are going to do? We're going to go out there and say, and I'll tell you what I'm going to tell the Democrats. It's time for the windfall profit tax. And with the windfall profit tax, you throw that money right back into the system, right back into people. I would say $6 gas is okay. And as it, as it goes to $6 gas, I would go ahead and pass the windfall profit tax. And after I pass the windfall profit tax, every Democrat goes out and says, all the money that the oil companies are stealing from you. We're sending you a check. It's called not allowing any company to pilfer you, not allow a, a, a transfer of wealth because of a war, a transfer of wealth because of a pandemic, a transfer of wealth for all these issues. Windfall profit tax. Windfall profit tax. And if they bought, nationalize the industry. You know, government, we the people need to remember it is we the people first, corporations second. We the people first, corporations second. Until we understand that, they will continue to pilfer us. Those clowns in those tall skyscrapers, they do nothing. They make nothing. That guy who is 
drilling the oil the well. That 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 girl who's doing working her butt off work. Those are the people that that deserve the the money. So please don't tell me about oh six dollar guys. You know one of the problems is that the plutocracy have their hands in both parties, right? I would immediately go ahead and say, okay, great. Charge as much as you want for gas because we're going to take the money back from you and give it right back to the people. Right back to the people. It's that simple. Robert Davenport says the number of people who have had booster in the real world far surpassed the number of people who would have been involved in longer tests. Better data breeds confidence. Thank you very much for your intelligent comment, Robert B. Davenport. Uh, Michael Rennan says, if it doesn't get much oil from Russia, they are get their price are skyrocketing. We found the price of oil isn't set here in the U.S. It's global level, exactly. Eric Hayes says, she makes excuses and blames everyone else for their energy policy. No, she just tells the truth. Why is telling the truth making an excuse? When is telling the truth making an excuse? Facts are our friend. Embrace the truth and question spin. All right, Daniela Doe says... So the environment is more important than human rights? No, the environment is what allows human rights. Absent a good environment, you don't have human rights because you die. You don't have humans. Come on. It doesn't take a lot of thinking to figure that one out. Come on, Aldo. You're smarter than that, brother. Rudnan says those ambitious climate goals would lower gasoline demand, hence lower prices. Exactly right. Nationalize all coal, oil, gas industry. I am for it. I will vote for it. Because they're, they're animals, they're crooks, and they care nothing about the average American citizen. They just care about the mighty dollar, even as they pollute and kill. Yes, I agree. All right, uh, Alistair Water says, Ducey is such a knucklehead. Yes, he is. Wow, I got a lot of messages. Daniela Doe, conservative mindset in view. Find, fight and destroy nature as necessary when nature fights back or civilization crumbles. See global warming accelerating status on emission exactly uh, rose williams says even if the policy were changed it wouldn't give us access to more oil anytime soon eric says federal law federal land production here must uh, most comes from federal again i repeat an absolute fact most drilling occurs on private land period there's not an argument about that there's not a debate about that all right the keystone pipeline was to get oil to refineries for export not for domestic use. Embrace the facts. Thank you. Actually, it was going to be used by Canada to ship their dirty oil, right? Come on. Daniel also the radical like Egberto. Every disagreement means you don't care about humanity. No. When the disagreement is about humanity and you choose otherwise, you don't care about humanity. It's not, it's not a difficult task, brother Lido. It's not at all. January 27, 2021, uh, a result over 50% of oil production and 92% of gas production comes from federal land. Again, we're talking about production coming online. 90% of these things come. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to go there again. All right. Carl Cox, every time a new pipeline is built or a new oil field is explored and opened up, we're told that we have all the oil we need and the problem is solved, but oil shipped to other countries. Daniela Doe, how many humans have to die before bad ideas from your side does it to take exactly how many? Egberto, you are so unrealistic, man. World doesn't work around your thinking, man. Gosh, you are so out of touch. No, I'm not out of touch. The people who are destroying the earth are out of touch. You see, it's amazing. You know, that is what indoctrination does, right? We see that 
we are destroying our planet. And somehow, I am the one out of touch. I mean, it's, it's, it's preposterous for you to not see. I mean, after, you know, they build a pipeline. And you ask them, will you, you, will you promise that that pipeline won't leak? Or if it leaks, you'll take care of everything? No, they won't do it. You can't get it insured. You know why? Because they leak. Come on, man. Uh, it, it, all right, let's continue. Nanette Bird-Smith says, Danilo, I thought you garnered Egberto's explanation and use of humanity. Sat on Ask Egberto Anything. I mean, he does, but you know, we, we have different, we, we have different modals depending on where we are. Eric Hay says, dude, the government can't pay you to stay home and not drive. My gosh, you are so out of touch. What? That doesn't make any sense. Carl Cox, oil companies raise prices to cause inflation and make record profits. Exactly. And paying little or no taxes. Exactly. All companies still get corporate welfare funded by the bottom 90%, exactly in terms of wealth of Americans. Absolutely. And that's why I said, let them charge. You know, I'm for this. I, I have a new policy. Since the government doesn't have the balls to simply nationalize these industries, right? Which I would nationalize the healthcare industry. I would nationalize the, uh, the energy industry. And let me tell you why. The private sector do not take risks. They don't take risks. We, the people at the universities, at the grants that we give, we give them the wherewithal to try things out. After it seems to have viability, then the private sector take chances because the chance is not as large as it was before inception altogether. So don't ever, ever, ever be fooled. The private sector has always, when I say private, I'm talking corporations, not, not the guy who owned the pizza shop. I'm talking corporations. Corporations have always been what? Here's the word, parasites. That is why the, the person, the, the executive can stay in his office and at the end of the year, let, let, let's give an example. These big oil companies, right? They make a lot of money. And when they're profitable, which is most of the times, and I have a lot of friends in the oil industry. I would get a call like, Egberto, man, we had a great year. We are getting 300% bonus. Are we getting 100% bonus? Are we getting 50% bonus? And in the past, I used to get mad. I used to say, like, um, and what kind of bonuses are you giving to the people who actually made the money? Well, they had a contract. The union, their union arranged a contract. And we pay, we, we, we fulfill the contract of the union. I said, oh, so you feel okay that after you lowball these guys in a union contract, that you can take all the spoils. You take the, the amount of bonus you've gotten could pay 10 of their employees full pay. When I talk about the corporations, the executives in the corporations, the leaders of the corporations and the shareholders being parasites, that is not a, uh, that is not me trying to be rude. That is not me being unkind. That is how it is. They get a humongous salary at the top. And when the company exceeds its profitability, they also get huge bonuses 
And it never goes to the regular guys. Whatever happened to saying, God, we made all these billions. Let's give every employee, union or not, a bonus. That's not how it works in America. Because again, remember the word antiseptic slavery. If you're not that 10% that manages the entire system, you're an antiseptic slave. And many of you that are watching, well, some of you that are watching here that decide you want to protect the plutocracy, remember you are but an antiseptic slave and the behavior reflects it. It's called Munchen's, uh, what, what kind of syndrome is it called? The, 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 uh, when that, whenever you go ahead and protect the person who enslaves you or captures you, it's called uh, something, uh, I, I forget the name. Anyway, somebody's going to tell me what it is pretty soon. I know somebody's going to tell me what it is pretty soon. Anyway, continuing, continuing, continuing. Uh, let's see, but you make an excuse for appeasing the one in 200,000 that has difficulty with the vaccine. Uh, next, next topic. Uh, Tom C says, what is cognitive dissonance? The term cognitive dissonance is used to describe the mental discomfort within an individual that results from holding two conflicting beliefs, values, and attitudes. Thank you, brother. All right, let's see. Uh, saludos, politics and right. De Roberto Luis. Como estas, mi hermano favorito? Daniel Lado says, windfall profit tax return to the people. That is neo-Marxism in a nutshell. So, okay, let's put it this way. If a windfall profit tax is neo-Marxism, that is equivalent to saying that that type of profit, excessive profit, is equivalent to a deadly, greedy, uh, slave-holding capitalism. So, it's okay. I got you, Lido. I got you. All right, Nanette Birdsmith says, Eric Hayes, being that he works 16 hours a day, he spends a little time behind the wheel. Minimal usage regarding... I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm working 16 hours a day doing videos, all that good stuff, researching all of that. But let me tell you something. Um, we should be paying a high amount for gasoline, right? And we can always give back in, in forms that don't induce people to buy more gas. In other words... I said windfall profit tax and give people the money back, right? There's a, there are a lot of ways to give people the money back that doesn't incentivize them to go ahead and use that for taxes. Let me give an example. Right now, we have a savings problem in America. People are not building up their, 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 their works, right? So what we can have is we can say, okay, we will have a windfall profit tax. And the, the monies that you get returned will be placed into an IRA that you cannot touch for X amount of time. And bill. I don't know. I, look, I'm just, I just came up with that off the top of my head. But the idea is if you have a windfall profit tax, which means uh, you take away the excessive profits from the corporations and give it back to the people, you don't want the people using that excessive money to say, ah, I got back money so I can afford to buy $7 gas because it doesn't give the incentive to stop buying $7 gas, right? But if you say you are helping them build their wealth, Something that most Americans don't have makes sense. Or you're using it to educate. Or, you're, you know, there are a lot of ways that you can do this. And if Democrats were to get creative and stop following the, the rules of the plutocracy, we could do all those things. Carl Cox says conservatives, mega rich, mega corporations don't have what corporation controlling government. This is called banana republic, fascist government. We've had that for quite a while now since Reagan. Obama tried to make a few changes, but even the banana got to Obama. Tom C. says examples of cognitive dissonance. A person might decide that they value smoking more than they value health, deeming the behavior worth it in terms of risk versus rewards. Exactly. Perfect example. 
Uh, Stockholm Syndrome is what I was thinking about. Stockholm Syndrome. Did anybody tell me yet? You mean I came up on... No, Munchausen by proxy is when you poison your kid, I think, if I remember correctly. Munchausen by proxy, you poison your kid because you like to see them sick. Something like that. Uh, something like that. Look it up. Anyway, uh, let's see. Oil prices are based on speculation. That is true. And then we pay for the speculation. I did a piece on that where I said, you know, that capitalism is another way to pay for other people's failures, right? Because the supply chain failure was a failure of the corporations, the private sector corporations was a, is a failure of the, the supply chain was caused by the failure of the private sector. And also the, the, uh, 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 outsourcing, meaning offshoring was also a thing for the corporations and it bit them in the butt, their mistake. And who pays for their mistake? We do. So I did a piece on that a few days ago. Check it out on my site. I actually got quite a bit of good views on that one. Nanette Bird Smith. Okay. Crocax's mega rich corporations are mega leeches. They are parasites. Yes, they are. All right. Uh, my my Munchensba is now called factitious disorder imposed on another. Whose bright idea? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Daniel Ledo says, I'm going to do all of you out of touch lefties on here today and give you some advice from someone aware of reality. I'm going to do all of you. Okay, let me hear. I recommend you begin to prepare yourselves mentally and materially for economic pain that is coming. The government will not be able to save you. Thank you for that advice, Mr. Ledeau. I appreciate you. Nanette Birdsmith says, uh, no, that's not Nanette. Paul Fleming, that's talking. Those are conversations. Okay, Egberto, you're right. The American people are paying for government policy decisions now. All right, let's go ahead and play. Um, you know, I want to switch into no-fly zone in, in, in Ukraine. I am with McCall here. I don't think we should go ahead and have any no-fly zone on, on Ukraine. Ukraine is a, is a look. I what Russia is doing is criminal. What Russia is doing is inhumane. But I tell you one thing: I am I don't want American blood being spilled in Ukraine. I don't. I mean, I don't I don't see Ukraine as some great magnanimous country deserving of American blood being spilled because of how 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 moral they are, because I think they have done a good job of proving otherwise. They suffer from the same supremacist diseases many do. So I will be damned if I go ahead and say, I'm going to go over to the Ukraine to say, I, look, those kids that are getting killed, it is horrendous. Those people that are getting killed, we got to, we got to put the pressure on Russia to stop it. But you know what is what, what I can foresee? Let me, let, let's give an example. As you know, a lot of reports and I, I was going to play the report today, but I didn't because I didn't cut it in time. Where a lot, a lot of people of color are having problems getting out because they get to the train stuff and they said, no, no, the true, real, real Ukrainians first. So think about this. Suppose we were to go ahead and help them out and help them out. We go ahead and help them out and we have some, some, some Latinos and some, some dark skinned Latinos and black guys going out there and fighting in Ukraine. And then they have to get out and to think about a Ukrainian saying, I'm sorry, we got to get the Ukrainians first. That's the first thing that hit my mind when I saw that. I said, these people are, are going through a war. And their prejudice was, their prejudice superseded their state of war. Their prejudice superseded their state of war. Can you believe that? 
those were some of the things that said, told me right then and there, you know, go fight your war. We'll help you because we don't want Russia. is just as bad, by the way. So, you know, go fight your war and we'll help you however we can. But as to go ahead and spill American blood, absolutely not. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side with what McCall had to say. My next guest is calling on the Western world to do more to help Ukrainians win the fight for their country. In a piece he co-authored, former National Security Council director Alexander Vindman writes, the Kremlin has become a fascist threat and it is Ukraine that is leading the charge to defend Europe, a fight that the world cannot afford to let the Ukrainians lose. Joining me now is Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. He's the former director for European Affairs for the National Security Council. He has served in the United States embassies in both Kiev and Moscow. He is also a veteran of the Iraq war and a Purple Heart recipient. There was a threat assessment um, update uh, in Congress earlier today with the intelligence community giving an update to to the House uh, Intel members. Um, And the assessment said that um, it is not believed that Russia wants a direct conflict with the United States. Uh, There is an ongoing discussion about the no-fly zone. Uh, The West has said, absolutely not. We're not going to do that. We just heard Courtney Kuby explaining why. Um, I'm going to ask you, as somebody who knows this better than I do, if Russia and Vladimir Putin don't want a direct conflict with us, does that make it an easier decision to say, hey, yes, I think we can risk a no-fly zone? Absolutely. We have to understand that our options are going to narrow and that the risks we perceive today as high are going to be a, a pale in comparison to the risks that we'll face months down the road as this unwinds in, in a humanitarian catastrophe and, uh, and Russian incrementalism. Again, this is the, the doubling down approach that Vladimir Putin prefers, and that's brought us to this point. I want to start off with the conversation I was just having with Colonel Vindman. Um, what is sure. your view um, about a no-fly zone right now and the risks, considering the threat assessment that we heard from U.S. intel earlier today? Well, thanks for having me. Uh, just full disclosure, uh, Colonel Vindman, he wasn't a colonel then, but he served on my team in Moscow. So you, you've got great guests. And, and I really, I want to just congratulate the coverage that we we together have been doing here, um, uh, especially the Ukrainian voices. Their, their voices need to be heard. Uh, I disagree with Alex. Uh, I think a no-fly zone is, is the wrong move. I support the president of the United States on that. Um, uh, let's just get rid of this euphemism, no-fly zone. Let's call it for what it is, is war. Uh, If we try to uh, implement a no-fly zone, that means that an American pilot has to shoot down a Russian pilot. And if we do that, that's a declaration of war. Uh, And Vladimir Putin has been very clear that that's the way he sees it. And if we're prepared to do that, if the American people want to go to war with Russia, I think it would be a mistake. But if we're prepared to do it, then we should have a vote in the U.S. Congress because the Congress is supposed to declare war. Um, That's what we need to do first. We should stop calling it a no-fly zone, and we should start calling it declaration against uh, Russia to go to war. And I just don't think that's the right thing to do right now. We spend a lot of time... He's absolutely right. It's not the right thing for us to do right now. Something that we should not do at all. And it it, it turns out that my emails didn't go out today for the show. I was wondering why. Okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out the next time around. Anyway, I have another video that I need to get out to you real quickly. And it has to do, well, beforehand. Let, let, let's go beforehand. Um, 
what he says makes a lot of sense. Unless we are willing to declare war, unless we're willing to say we want war and we accept the potential of war, possibility of war, then a no-fly zone is just that, war. And the sooner people accept this, I, I know I, I know it's hard to see a lot of good people in a war zone, but it's a war zone. But you know, think about how many visions we have like this all over the world. Just think about that and ask yourself how many of those other places shouldn't we have then gone to war with if we want to do the same here in Ukraine? Just ask yourself that question. Ask yourself that question. Anyhow, last but not least is the first story. The terrorists is going to jail. I repeat, they thought they would, he thought, this man thought that the power of Trump, the power of simply saying we had a reason to be in that capital, the power of political discourse, honest legal political discourse was going to save him. In less than three hours, they threw the key at him. The terrorist is going to jail. The January 6th terrorist, bye-bye. A jury has just convicted Guy Reffitt. He's the first January 6th defendant to take his case to trial. He's guilty on all the charges against him, joined by our NBC News justice correspondent, Pete Williams. So, Pete, as I said, I know in the chart, charging document, he was essentially being charged as sort of the lead instigator, if you will, the one created, uh, led some folks who ended up doing some violent things to the Capitol, though he never went into the Capitol. So what did he get found guilty of? All the counts against him, as you noted, Chuck, of obstructing the vote, uh, of carrying a firearm into the District of Columbia, carrying it up to the Capitol, and then threatening to shoot his own children if they told the police or the FBI what he had been up to. Now, the jury was out a remarkably short period of time. The closing arguments were just yesterday. The jury began deliberating at about 10 o'clock this morning morning, then took a break for lunch in the noon hour and already has a verdict. So less than three hours of deliberating. Obviously, the fact that there was a, uh, a fact that there was a fast verdict was good a uh, good sign for the government. But there was overwhelming evidence here, Chuck. There was still and video evidence taken by surveillance and other cameras that were around the Capitol. As you say, he never entered the Capitol. There was his own video, his own comments from a camera that he was wearing. And then there were the statements that he made to a fellow three percenter on the trip from Texas to Washington about what he planned to do and that he planned to carry guns. And then there were the things that he told his own children, some of which was recorded by his son. And in one of the more dramatic moments of the trial, His own son took the stand to testify against his father, saying what his father said that he did at the Capitol, that he was proud for his role in the riot, and then the threats that he made to the son and to a daughter 
that if they uh, told anybody, uh, law enforcement people, what he was up to, that they would be traitors. And he said, you know what happens to traitors? They get shot. So uh, a remarkably fast verdict here and a victory for the government in this first trial to come from the January 6th riot. How many trials are likely to happen at this point or that we know of right now this calendar year? Well, there's there's uh, four or five trials scheduled in the coming months. Remember that we've got something like 750 people charged and well over something like 250 of them have already pleaded guilty. Will this lead to more pleas? I would I would think so. Yeah, I figured as much. Well, 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 it seems like the January 6th terrorists are going to have to start making deals lest they mm, rot in jail, maybe. You know, I think it's great. I think it is great. They must pay a price now for what they've done. They must pay a price for what they've done. Uh, by the way, Daniel Edo, I two things we're in agreement with, man. The first one is you say you think Vinman is crazy, a madman for wanting to have a no-fly zone, going under the assumption that somehow uh, Putin is rational. Putin can't be rational any longer. Putin is at his most dangerous stage because he's about to suffer not the fate of Yeltsin, not the fate of, uh, of, uh, of, um, of Gorbachev. He's about to suffer the fate of, I don't know, what was the dictator of Italy again? Uh, <laughs> Mussolini. Because there are two groups of people that are going to want his head. Because he done killed a lot of people in Ukraine that are actually Russians. And then he killed Ukrainians. Now, on the second topic, Brother Ledo, you actually said something that, you know, um, I, you know, I think I, I do believe that. Um, it, it, let, let's give an example. The United States invaded Panama, killed ten thousand people. I continue to hold that against uh, Bush number 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 two, number one, and I even wrote a, a long piece about it for the Daily Coast that Bush came into my country and killed ten thousand Panamanians. It's evil, evil deed to get one person, Manuel Antonio Noriega. Well, you know, that's I can imagine that is exactly how Vindman feels. Here comes big bad Russia and kill a lot of his the, the people from the country of his birth. Right? Yes, he's Ukrainian. So um, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. I don't say America is a, is a country that's made up of many people of various nationalities. We are Americans first, but we all remember where we came from. And it does hurt when a Bush invades Panama and kill uh, 10,000 of your fellow Panamanians, just as much as I can imagine Brother Vinman seeing a hell of a lot of Ukrainians getting blown to pieces for doing absolutely nothing to Russia. So I can feel his pain. And yes, I always knew he was Ukrainian. So, yeah. I don't see the problem there. And I don't know. So I, I, you know, so I've always known it. So I agree with you on that one as well. All right, let's see. And I, but I know where you're trying to get at with Vin, man, but it's just not going to fly. All right, let's see. Uh, para ver, help Catherine win her Nevada Senate race to free us from losing the Senate. We will, we will, we will. Paul Fleming, it's time for me to get dressed to go to the gym. Hey, see ya. Hey, Paul, have fun. Hey, I went to the gym early this morning with my daughter. We actually did some workout this morning. Worked pretty well. Daniel Edo, pulling America into a global war is not putting America first. You're, I mean, you're right about that, Daniel. I mean, I'm not going to argue about that. It's not putting America first. Um, but 
I think in his mindset, have a great one, AVQ and Michael Rodney. In his mindset, that's what it is. But anyhow, got to get out of here. And you know, today I forgot to do any type of ask. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just put one link in there and ask you guys to visit my link and support the program however you can. Usually I have somebody that reminds me that it's time to give my links. This time I didn't. So please go to politicsandright.com slash support, politicsandright.com slash support, and please support the program. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right, and you know how I end this baby. I am what? Oh! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.